Hello and welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and peers behind the curtain into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm Tipster, host and land penguin at the Pinnacle Larder, floating somewhere in the Antarctic Ocean. I'm Jeff with RMT Trivia, usually online if my internet is working, uh, from the Chicagoland area. And I'm James Key, the trivia nerd from Louisville, Kentucky. Were you trying to put a voice on there, James? No, it's, it's you know, it's kind of like does. that. It's that old, like, well, you don't know necessarily who Don Pardo is, and maybe some of our younger listeners might not either. Uh, he was the uh, announcer for Saturday Night Live oh. uh, way back when, and he had that, like, little bit of tremolo, you know, it's like, you know, uh, and now here's your host, Chevy Chase, you know, it's like. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I guess uh, growing up, you know, staying, you know, being a big kid and watching Saturday Night Live until 1 a.m., you know, it just kind of stuck with me a little bit, I guess. <laughs> oh, heck. It's Saturday night. Well, it's not. Uh, it's, in yeah. fact, Friday. Um, soon to be Saturday over here. Friday afternoon recorded. <laughs> we're, we're, we're dating this just... podcast already. <laughs> That's a terrible name for a comedy show hey it's yeah, friday maybe. afternoon <laughs> it's sometime on a friday i'm my fifth mojito in <laughs> i'm um i'm gonna apologize in advance if you hear either pitter pattering or yowling because uh right in front of me i've got a new kitten in the house and oh. we have also a five-year-old cat now let me tell you that this, the big cat, he is a big cat. He is 15 pounds. That's about, what, seven, eight kilograms, right? Um, and the little guy, he's about three pounds, one-fifth the size. And uh, when we brought him home, man, it was just a hiss fest. The, they did, well, the kitten could care less, but uh, big cat here, his name's Shadow, he could... Uh, he did not like the new entrant into the house. And right now, they are play fighting with each other. Uh, and sometimes Big Cat likes to show that he is the Big Cat. And we'll pin him down and uh, make sure that Hammy, the new kitten, knows he's the boss around here. So that's that's been my adventure for the past week and a half. Um, oh, besides trying to, to fight to clip uh, Shadow's nails. And we took him to the vet the other day. And he defeated the vet. He couldn't finish. <laughs> it was amazing at first. I mean, they like, you know, kind of grab him by the scruff and, you know, give him those big hard pets. And they're like, here, give me your paw. Clip, 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 clip. And he was like, wow, how do you do that? And then all of a sudden they get down to the last two nails. And all of a sudden now the cat's having nothing to do with it. <laughs> and is like, I mean, screaming. Uh, the cat, you know, and, and the vet keeps jerking his hand back saying i'm not getting bit and i'm like well <laughs> it looks like you're gonna <laughs> so if i'm if i'm hearing this story correctly the vet got most of your cat's claws but now yes. your cat has that like coke nail like that pinky coke nail that's longer than all oh the rest my of yeah. god <laughs> like why the... did you have to put it like that oh my god <laughs> Psst, you want some nip <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what? I just 
I just recently I just recently learned now the the phrase catnip that's not foreign to you right tipster no no um, is is it interchangeable with catmint or am I uh, mis- misunderstanding I've never what I just heard heard it referred to as catmint okay um I recently but- heard that phrase on a on a podcast and it was relayed as like oh that's what they call it in the UK is I mean granted it? you're in Antarctica so you know, is different... it what they call it there? I I'm gonna I haven't heard right it referred out. to as that. But then again, I don't have a cat for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, so uh, maybe. Yeah, let's see. Well, it seems that cat mint is a thing, and it's in the catnip family. Yeah. Oh, and good. See, there you go. Google is suggesting catnip versus catmint oh so they they are different things then well it looks like catmint is an is an umbrella term for more than one species of plants oh right yeah is a specific of those okay that explains a lot i suppose oh but this is this is very science this is exceptionally scientific it's a lot of binomial nomenclature oh i hear the cats yeah (laughs) it's a lot of binomial nomenclature get that cat some catmint Specifically, catnip. Yeah, one of them rounded the corner and didn't expect to see the other one there, and they kind of collided. Oh, startled okay. cats. They're okay. always the best. Okay. Good to hear. <laughs> oh my God. All right. He's retreated to his big cat tree perch, so I think that they're uh, they're going to separate, take a breather. That's good. That's good. Back to your corners. Back to your corners. <laughs> Wait till the bell rings. <laughs> and you know how how's the puppy going for you, by the way, Jeff? Oh, he's actually doing pretty well. Um, he the frequency of pooping in the house, specifically into my vents, uh, is much lower than it was at at, the, at first. Um, so that's always a plus. Um, he has stopped trying to dig under the fence. So we could kind of just let him run around in the backyard, which is pretty nice. Uh, he's little by little shaking all of the things that kind of make uh, made it hard to not be with him 100% of the time, which is which is really excellent. So now, you know, he could just be laying on the floor in the other room. And you don't have to worry. Hey, is he pooping into the air vent of my house? Uh, or, you know, when you take him outside... Uh, if you don't see him for a second, you don't have to assume that he had gotten into your neighbor's yard who, and I shit you not, my neighbor's yard has like $20,000 worth of landscaping that he's done to it. Oh, no. And it's all, it's like this big koi fish pond and all this uh, fancy, well, they're not fancy, but like he takes very good care of his backyard. It's like his little backyard garden area that he really loves. He has people over to see it all the time. And is, there's is like, this the kind of neighbor that mows their lawn diagonally so they get that nice cross hatching? Yes and no. He doesn't do that, <laughs> but that's that same type of person. His, okay. his lawn care routine is ve- like his outside of his house is flawless. It makes me look like a giant pile of shit. So I'm sure he's happy that we live next door and I mow my <laughs> lawn once a week like every other person instead of, you know, going out and trimming the bushes for 15 minutes a day. But, Wait, once a week? Is that how often you're meant to do it? Yeah, I think so. What? Yeah, yeah. I would say that the the grass grows to about uh, mowable height 
every week or so, at least for us. I mean, if we ever go like two weekends without doing it, 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 it yeah, it's it looks possible, like a safari. It's difficult. I, yeah. I mean, that, that, it just shows how long I've not had a garden. Uh, well, but if, the, the good news is, though, is that when Mac did dig into his backyard, the very first thing that Mac did was run out of his backyard uh, instead of, you know, eating one of his expensive koi fish or oh, digging up a really God. expensive bush of some sort. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, so that was, you know, I'm happy that he's no longer exhibiting those behaviors. And he is instead of uh, instead of pooping on things and causing trouble, he is just being exceptionally fluffy and cute, which is pretty nice. That's always a plus. Although I've now cursed myself because I just said that he's not You've doing just those said things. that, and then and I'm halfway through the recording of this podcast. Hours. Yeah, so there's I'm gonna sure be a sudden gonna, smell. Yeah, he's gonna poop on the carpet and then uh, run outside and into my neighbor's lawn and eat all of his fish. So that'll be fun. It'll be fun to clean up. <laughs> it is Friday, you know. So it, 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 exactly, yeah. It is. It is Friday. Oh goodness, we're gonna find out if your neighbor listens to this podcast when we start uh, getting. One hundred percent, he does not. Good. But if he does. Hi Frank, how's it going, man? <laughs> Hi Frank. Yeah. Hi. How you doing? Um. Well, we are this week going to talk about um, pub trivia and how it's evolved uh, over the past. However long we decide to go back, I suppose. Yeah. That was kind of the plan tonight. Um, uh, and th this is, you know, pre-pandemic as well. This is very much kind of when I was a, a, a young boy, <laughs> you know, yeah. my, my, my father took me into the city to play pub trivia. Um, <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, so yeah, we're not going to talk about all of the you know ways that we've gone online in the past few months. We're not looking at that. We're going back years, if possible, to say this is what pub trivia was like when I started playing it or hosting it, or what mm. I remember seeing or hearing mm. uh, up till let's you know maybe say until about March of 2020 or so. For for some reason, yeah, that that kind yeah. of ballpark. <laughs> We've picked an arbitrary date for some reason. Uh, <laughs> um, so I guess first off, like, when did you start? But when did you first come across pub trivia? I know we've mentioned this before, but for people who are new to the podcast, well, what was your first? When was your first experience of it? For me, it was about. 15 years or so ago maybe mm -hmm. a little bit earlier than that but that's a you know pretty good approximation um i had gone to actually the bar where i currently would be hosting in real life if there were in a pandemic um the very same bar under a different name many years earlier uh the game was uh very similar to how i started my game uh, in my very first years, which was team by team, one question at a time, uh, no steals, like choosing from like a Jeopardy board of of uh, topics and questions and stuff like that. And 
the host that had been doing that, uh, I had once I played and I'm like, oh, this is pretty fun. And I asked around about it. Apparently he had been hosting that exact same format for multiple years, uh, doing the same thing where he just kind of comes up whatever categories he wants. He writes the questions and then, you know, comes in and hosts the game and keeps score of everybody on a big whiteboard in front of everybody and kind of acted as like um, an MC where he was kind of on a stage, which that feels the oddest to me now looking mm. at it from 15 years in the future um, because he was front and center in front of everybody, like on a raised platform. Yeah. You know, granted that may not be the case for everybody, but that was because the, that was how the bar was set up. They had a live stage um, and he was doing everything by hand on a whiteboard. And when you, when it was your team's turn, you picked a category uh, from a list of categories he had on the whiteboard and he would erase the one of the questions like so you could see how many of that category were left. So if mm -hmm. you think a very analog version of the category choice board from Jeopardy. Right, yeah. Uh and it and it functioned very similarly except it wasn't uh it wasn't all teams answering at once. It was one question per that team. Nobody could steal. Yeah. So like when it was your team's turn. And I don't have a tremendously large sample size, mm -hmm. but of the couple, two or three shows that I went to in the area at that time, that was very similar uh, to what else we saw. Uh, it was essentially a, uh, a person that was writing and or possibly uh, harvesting questions from online or Jeopardy or something like that, uh, reading them out and having teams answer live. Uh, I feel like that's the way it's kind of portrayed in uh, TV TV shows and stuff from that from that era too. Like on mm -hmm. The Office, when they went to trivia night, the host kind of read the question out loud and they either wrote it down on a whiteboard and held it up, or you know that was one question one time. Um. I'm trying to think of what else so, was very, very common. Well, we'll come back to you. Yeah. Uh, James. Yeah. Your your first experience of pub trivia. Um, when and what, I suppose? Yeah, racking my brain about it, I want to say probably back in the late 90s, to early 2000s mm -hmm. um, some college friends and I decided to go up to a little local pub and they were having trivia there and first time that I remember sitting down and doing it uh, at a place like that and the uh, the guy explained how you can put a point value on your question as you're turning in your slip of paper it can be one three or five I think a lot of people uh, probably have seen and heard and maybe even played that format where given three categories you can then as a question is being asked write down one of those three point values as you're turning in your answer and I think I remember that I was looking ahead at the categories and thinking you know what maybe we should save our five point for television you know, I, I wasn't really thinking about do we know this answer and should we put it down for five points if we absolutely know it. So mm. I think that we were probably playing it so-called the wrong way, whatever the case was. Um, there was the 
ask a question and then he plays a song and we ask, you know, well, what kind of songs do you usually play? He says, oh, I take requests and you can let me know. And next week I'll try to find a CD with that song on it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh. How about that? Oh. Now, wait, granted. Wait, are we talking find a CD or find a CD? Because I, like... I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not that MP3s weren't around at that time. Um, I... I don't know why I burned into my own brain that my oldest MP3 is from 1998, the first one I ever downloaded. Mm. So I do know that that is at least, you know, <laughs> one point in history where they existed. But I'm almost sure that he was probably playing them off of physical CDs, if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, late 90s, early noughties, that was classic burn to blank CD kind of mixtape era uh, true mm. um so you know that's uh quite the possibility that he was uh doing that as well you know because that's the the era of napster and limewire oh so, yeah hey so you know hey all the music was free back then wasn't it <laughs> uh, yeah yeah well you know what i mean yeah put an asterisk next to the word free um <laughs> Several. So, just just yeah. cover it in stars. I don't remember what the final question was like, uh, but the introduction to the 135 trivia format, so I know it goes, you know, at least that far back. That's... Um, yeah. That's intriguing to me. Like, the mentions of a final question and, like, different point values for different rounds is very intriguing to me because my first experience of a pub quiz was... You get an answer sheet with, like, six boxes, and in each of those boxes are ten lines to write down each of your answers. So 60 questions across six rounds, and there'd be, you know, discrete subjects like geography, history, uh, literature, entertainment, all that kind of stuff. No final question. Every question was worth a point. And it wasn't much, like you'd finish and you'd either hand it over to the person who's hosting it. There'd be like an hour long break while they mark every question on every sheet. Or uh, usually they'd have someone else to help them. Um, or you'd swap with another team and another team would mark your sheet. And then you'd get people chiming in with what about X or what about Y um, whilst this person who works at the bar is just kind of standing there microphone in hand going uh i mean uh <laughs> because they they in the majority of cases they just kind of looked up uh they either had a book of pub quiz questions or, or taken it from you know trivial pursuit or um you know uh taken it from other sources instead of crafting the question themselves and doing the research which like to be fair they're not getting paid for it. Yeah. Like you can't mm -hmm. expect them to put the time and effort in that a specific pub quiz host would. Um, and that was kind of the status quo. Um, the most novel thing that we had um, was a, we. you'd have a handout at the start. You'd have a picture round that you'd do throughout the entire game as well so you'd sit there you'd have this picture around and it would be either be like dingbats or 
celebrity faces or something like that and you fill that in and you hand that in at the end as well um uh, and you have the whole quiz to kind of toss and turn over these picture questions um but yeah the most the most novel thing is when they try and use the sound system for the music questions <laughs> and it's just like it's a it's a bar there's a lot of people packed in the speakers are not made so that everyone can hear everything everywhere so if you're in the back room you've got no chance if you're by a particularly loud table you can barely hear what's coming through the speakers um or you know the opposite the music's so loud that you can't actually hear what your teammates saying to write down what they're saying or or like this one time uh my teammate was basically shouting the answer to get it over the music and then the music stopped and they basically shouted <laughs> it across the whole bar it's just like i mean there's, there's no way to prevent that really um but uh, that's one of my earliest memories. And then, like, I remember it being a big thing when, like, one night the quiz master came around and each gave us an oversized Joker playing card. Ooh. And New was like, you play this on a round that you want to double your points on. And it's like, that that was novel that was like that was cutting edge <laughs> back when i was first playing pub trivia um but i also think that's partially because of kind of our, our difference in um in location more than anything um the uk tends to be very kind of stalwart traditionalist you know it's had pub trivia since probably uh, 60s or 70s um whereas it's a fairly recent and up-and-coming thing across the pond from what i gather i could yeah i i couldn't tell you when trivia started in in bars or pubs over here or uh the way that i kind of got into it with the big events where you would have uh you know a trivia night it was the big annual fundraiser or something like that um, I got into those in 2010 or so. I, I want to say we had some a couple of years before that because that's when I was like, oh, man, I want to get into this. I want to be able to ask questions, host. I want to write questions, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's trying to go back to the history. It's like, you know, unfortunately, it's just whatever experience the three of us have, you know, I, I'll try to see if we can find some people who've maybe done it longer. I know that we'll have a follow-up episode or something, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I mean, we got to go with what we know right now, but I will say that uh, definitely, um, you know, f- like for me, the 2000s, maybe the 1990s, and getting into it right at the turn of uh, 2010, that's my my experience. Yeah, I, I think when you're, you know, without delving into very specific formats or styles or anything like that, the biggest one that stands out to me, the biggest thing that's changed in the last, you know, 15 to 20 years is just the sheer amount of people that do this as a hobby. 
mm. that really enjoy it that go out to go play pub trivia. Um, when I first visited pub trivia in 2006, it was kind of on a whim. I was invited by one of my friends um, that had just said, Hey, we're going to do this thing and you like Jeopardy. So come, come play. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, um, but I think there was like four teams there and it was, you know, I, I don't think it was because the show was bad. I think it was just because it wasn't a super, super popular destination for here's an entertainment thing to do at a bar. Hmm. And I think over the last 10 years, especially it's grown into what, if you had asked me what karaoke was like in 2006, you know, like it was in every bar. It's just something that bars have to have available. They don't yeah. necessarily have to, but it's generally something that most bars would have something to do with live entertainment. And karaoke is one of those things. Mm. And I mean, when I started writing and hosting 10 years ago, the list of trivia podcasts was like two. And yeah. now there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, the list of national companies or national trivia brands that I could mention 10 years ago, I don't think I knew one. And now I could think of like four or five. It, I, I think just as an industry, its growth is one of the largest changes between then and now. And when you have an industry growth like that, it forces it forces uh, innovation and change because you have to stand out from your competitors you have to do something slightly different. You have to be better at your job mm. because there's more competition. And I think that that's why we see things like um, different round formats or different interesting ways to score. Or, for example, from our from our own family, like Jason's uh, Scrooby cards and freebie cards that he does at his live games, um, the way that he grades his rounds, uh, you know, things things like that. Those are those are innovations to break the stale idea of just pub quits. Um, and I think all of that has led from just a massive influx of players in the last 10 years. So one of the things that strikes me um, but as a, as a kind of key difference between pub quizzing b back in the day and the likes of stuff that, you know, um, a, a lot of the um, Trivia Writers Co-op are doing now um, and again, this is probably due to the fact that, you know, we are not people working the bar. We are dedicated pub quiz hosts. Mm -hmm. We are there to do this thing. Um, you know, we're not pulling pints or we're not doing it so we can get the night off pulling pints. Um, <laughs> uh, is that there's less of a focus on the questions themselves and more of a focus on the night... Uh, being an event in itself if you catch mm -hmm. my drift like it, it's not just the people don't just go for the questions now they go for the hosts they go for the formats they go for the you know but uh, and yeah that many people do just still go to the pub that's either their regular or where where their mates happen to be going but i feel like the main draw these days is the personality that comes alongside it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you can 
I I feel like you can do a pub quiz with relatively basic bare bones pub quiz questions and if you are an exceptional host people will still come back night after night after night yeah i i definitely agree with that i i think that um i think that our experience being surrounded by other creators and writers who try really hard to do a good job on both of those fronts it maybe poisons the well a little bit on that just because we don't uh, go to and see the type of games where it's uh, largely written by someone who's not the host. Mm. And it's just kind of someone who's being paid 10 bucks an hour to stand in front of people and read questions. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with those games. And, you know, if that's your regular game and you enjoy it, continue to go. You know, I'm not saying don't do that. But I think that because we're not exposed to that as much as the regular trivia goer, I think that mm -hmm. that's just where our minds tend to focus. Uh, but I, I do see your point. When um, when it was 15 years ago, I didn't go to that guy's... Well, I didn't go to that trivia for any reason besides somebody said, hey, come to trivia. But I wouldn't go back to that trivia because the guy was entertaining. I went back because I was with my friends and he was asking questions and I like answering questions. But you're right. Today, if I went to a pub trivia down the street and the host was entertaining and fun, I would be way more swayed to go back and i think that that's something that wasn't there 15 20 years ago or at least you know i think wasn't as prevalent. yeah um when i started doing my own uh hosting of trivia nights that i feel like that i was kind of just the i'm going to write some questions i'm going to ask some questions uh and and that was about it you know i mean I look back at my question archive and it's like dry, kind of boring a little bit. You know, I, I I tried to put in some interesting categories here or there. Uh, you know, maybe I also tried to emulate some of the game show trends that were going on as well. But I started to realize that, just like you said, Sometimes it is about the questions and answers, but then sometimes it is about a little bit of showmanship or maybe just interaction. You know, yeah. honestly, it, it's something that I hear a lot from players at my current weekly shows. They like how they include. That's what I hear them say. Like, I like that you included me. I got mm. that from somebody who wasn't even playing. You know, I mean, I said to them, would you like to play some trivia? They were like, nah. I said, well, good. Sit there, enjoy your dinner, you know, but but of course I'm going to be doing this. But, uh, in, you know, talk to each other about the questions I ask and, and have some fun with it, even if you're not officially on the scoreboard. And later on in the night, I saw them kind of get excited when I said a certain answer. And I said, ha ha, yeah, you see, you're, you're doing pretty good here. Maybe you should have played after all. You'll, you'll come back next week, you know. And then at the end of the <laughs> night, they were like, I'm just... I'm really happy that you included us, even though we weren't really one of your players. And it's like, you know what? I mean, I'm, I'm putting on a show. Yes, it is going to be majority for the people who are playing, but you know, everybody in the bar, everybody in the restaurant can hear me. So might as well do a little bit to, to try to include everybody. And for any of the trivia nights that I am involved with, I like to make sure that I am, involving people i want to talk to them i want them to talk to me granted you know we don't need to stop and have 
full-on conversations between questions five and six or anything, but uh, <clears throat> just something where everybody can have some fun, you know, so that it's it's more than just like watching an episode of Jeopardy where it's just listening to the Q&A, you actually get to participate and, and speak out and let the host hear you and, and, and let the host respond to you. It's, it's interesting to me because I'm, I'm seeing this on a fairly short timetable considering mm. the age of pub quiz and pub trivia stuff. Um, but it feels very much like a very short evolution from where things were when I first started going to where we are now in terms of it's only been 15 years or, mm -hmm. you know, 10 years of me hosting. And it feels like the idea of pub trivia itself has shifted from just um, come and answer some questions and prove your smarty pants to like a full on event generally with, mm -hmm. um, I know that there. I know that prizes have always been a thing. I know that final questions have always been a thing. As long as Jeopardy was on the air, I'm sure people have been mimicking the style and format of other trivia shows and stuff like that. But it feels more um, like you were just saying, and like Tipster said about the host being entertainment or engaging to people, even if they're not playing. Like even if you're not playing that week's trivia game or you came in late or anything like mm -hmm. that it's still an enjoyable thing to maybe have happening around you i know that that's probably not true for every patron of every bar where there's pub trivia happening they might not they might have wanted a quiet dinner and now there's some idiot yelling about <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> some you know country oh, yeah, that, that they've never heard of before that's happened yeah yeah <laughs> it's always I, tuvalu <laughs> i i feel like there's been a significant shift towards um I don't want to say towards like game showing of mm -hmm. trivia of pub trivia, but like the idea of it is a in uh, a form of entertainment that you can go visit as if it were a live band. Yeah, you know, like and so you have hosts that you enjoy because they're engaging, or you have games that you like because you like the question format. You know what I mean? Like I don't mm -hmm. necessarily need to know about a band. If somebody says, oh, there's this really good punk band, okay, I'll go see their show. And, you know, if I like them, I might follow them or, you know, but I, it's a punk show, so I'm already interested. You know, so I, I, it's it's really interesting to see that aspect of pub trivia come up from something that when I started was fairly dry. Uh, and from what I understand of the history of pub trivia itself is fairly, it's like, I'm going to the pub, but also I'm going to be tested like I was in high school. This will be fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not wrong though. A lot of, a lot of, kind of, early pub trivia is fairly academic in its, in its questions, in its style. Um, a, a, a kind of the style that I was talking about earlier, where it's literally like you do a test, you fill in your paper, you give it in, you get a score at the end. Yeah. It's. It does I, kind of feel like that. Yeah, you're not wrong. Is there okay? Now here's a quick here's a quick hypothesis Go I just created in the last three seconds in my brain. Follow with me. So, fifteen twenty years ago, um, right. the internet was not new, but it was fairly new ground for collaborative 
informational posting. Well, yeah. yeah things cause... like Wikipedia and the separate wikis for TV shows, movies, different things like that. Mm -hmm. Before that, you had encyclopedias. You had giant tomes of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. That were dedicated to the academic subjects. You had history. You had maps and, you know, like books about different countries and flags. And you had... Um, and you had your sports almanacs and things like that yeah. as well. Yeah, and you also had old Trivial Pursuit games, things like that, and most of those uh, also academic subjects, you know, fairly light on the entertainment. Uh, and so I think that that just may be a question of access to uh, to source, to source material. Mm. Um, it could also be, and this is just my own humble opinion, which I'm sure there's a lot of people that will disagree, I like trash trivia more than I like academic trivia. Uh, Justin, if if you ask me 10 questions about pop culture, I'm going to like those better than 10 questions about uh, like history. Like There mm -hmm. might be one or two things about the history questions that I like, uh, but I wouldn't go to a strict history game instead, but I would go to a TV game, if that makes sense. Yeah. I so mean, that, you know, that's just my personal preference. I think that there's... I... I don't like, think I've ever heard of anyone doing like a strictly like specific academic subject pub quiz. Yeah. Um well, but I, I've with... done a couple like science nights and stuff like that, but I th I think that that's that's its own it's got its own like pop culture following. Like it's one, I I don't kind think of, a, yeah. a history night would go over as well as a science night ever would. Yeah. But... I I kind of get that impression as well. Um, where I, I I think, oh, I I didn't mean to cut you off. I, no, no, I just go ahead, go to, ahead, go ahead. The the general idea is just that the available sources to the writers are expanding, and now there's a a wiki, a wiki page for most shows that have run for more than a season. Like they have dedicated fan bases that say, "Here's this episode number. Here's this guest that was in this. Did you know this episode was directed by this guy?" Here's a fun fact about how all these episodes are titled. You know, like there's so much more information like that that's available instantaneously now that wasn't there 20 years ago. And Despite I... the fact that uh, it was it was a thing that could be done, it just hadn't been done yet. And I think that that makes writing those type of questions a thousand times easier. And I think that's a very good point. Like one of the big driving forces of the changing face of pub trivia uh, is technology at the end of the yeah. day like the 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 hassle hurdle of having all those sheets and marking them and um you know uh, because you know back back when i started doing pub trivia laptops were barely a thing right mm -hmm. so you've either you've either got this big chunky PC that you're working off, or you've just got a sheet like five sheets of paper that you're reading the questions off, and that's that's all you've got access to there and then. Um, whereas nowadays, like uh, with the with the invention of laptops, so hosts being able to have their physical media in front of them, projectors, um, mm -hmm. them being able to present media to the bar um, for picture questions or showing the actual questions themselves um to you know smartphones and tablets where now people will have 
the entire world's knowledge, access to the entire world's knowledge in their pocket. Like, it's... I think that's definitely been a huge driving force in the way that trivia has changed. Um, uh, oh, you know, Quizmasters. Interesting. I, I if, feel there's definitely been a kind of ways in which people approach questions has changed because of that. I think, obviously, you've got people, you, you've got the ability to use that device as well. Um, for either like a buzzer system or for you know measuring how long it takes them to answer the question or um, presenting them with choices on that and using apps to do it like much like we do with Triv now mm-hmm. um, and speed quizzing has become a thing as well um, the idea of not having a um, to put the answer per se but to either pick an option on the screen that relates to it or the first letter of it, or something like that, um, yeah. like some of the big brands over here do. Um, and, and that's that's pretty much that's pretty much just due to trivia. Because before that, like I remember, maybe ten years ago or so, looking into like buzzers, so I could put a buzzer at it, at each table, and the mm-hmm. teams could buzz in a la Jeopardy. Because you know I cannot stress enough that my very first year of hosting trivia was me literally creating you know jeopardy but my own yeah you know and i you know i wanted that same function so it could still only be one team per to to answer each question but it would be interesting to have them buzz in instead of going in order uh but that was as close as you got to like speed like where you could get more points by going faster or any of the like that just wasn't an available option Mm. you your conversation over the past few minutes has triggered two memories in my mind, one of which actually goes back further, not by too much, but uh, to trivia that was at a place called BW3s. Now, Jeff, do... Oh, yeah. I know that. You remember. Yeah, um, Tipster, I don't know if you ever had anything like this in any kind of restaurants uh, in England, but there were TVs set up that had this trivia game set up on it. Now, I don't remember if this was Buzz Time. I think that might be the brand name of it. Yes, but that sounds But a question would go up, and you had at your table, of course, you had to register and like get one from the hostess. Uh, you had this remote that had five buttons on it, one, two, three, four, five. So mm. a question would go up on the screen. Then a few seconds later it would switch to the question plus the five answers. And there was a timer set at a thousand points and you could answer, uh, you know, as quickly as you could to get, you know, it, like the thousand stood there for a few seconds just so you could maybe get the maximum points. Then the timer started going down and clues started to appear on the screen telling you what the answer wasn't. You could change your answer at any time, but the last answer you put in at the point value it was at is what you are locked in at. So if you noticed that something popped up and it said, you know, the answer isn't cats, you know, then you could switch over to a different answer, uh, but you'd get the the lesser points. So, and, and I know that that's been around since, oh gosh, this might even be early nineties. So it would, you know, no host, it was just all automated. Mm. Um, so you just, you know, played against the other people in the bar and, 
you know, yay, look, I, I got up there on the, the top. There's my score. That's about all that you could <laughs> pretty much show. I mean, they eventually got into, you know, much more robust remotes that you could type in things, but you still were doing the one, two, three, four, five uh, yeah. answers there. And then you could play um, the, yeah. the newer ones had like poker. You could play Texas yep. Hold'em. And that was huge <laughs> in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because of... Uh... The uh, the ultimate satellite, Chris, the money maker, money maker. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> um, Phil Hellmuth yeah. being a baby about things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, um, that hasn't stopped. Just so yeah, you know, yeah, that's, fair, that's fair. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing that you touched on earlier was something about how the internet has changed, and. I remember being at a fairly new job and we would walk to this place called the Galleria where they had a McDonald's, you know, and a lot of other things in a food court. But they were putting on a promotion at McDonald's. This was in 1996, if this uh, news article is uh, correct. And that sounds about right. McDonald's was having a Disney scratched off trivia game on their fries or their cups and they would have questions and six possible answers if you scratched off the one answer that was correct it would reveal a prize otherwise sorry you try again some other time and I mean these were tough questions and being 1996 you know there wasn't a place to google your answers there was barely a place to Lycos your answers you know (laughs) Um, but a website appeared. I don't know how I came across it, but it started to catalog every question and every answer. And it was just a simple text. I mean, just text, you yeah. know, uh, and there were had to have been uh, like, and it, well, this article that I'm looking at says there were over 6,000 questions that they had. Hmm. So there was a, a very low likelihood you would ever get a repeat question on, you know, a, another fry or something but that's what we started doing is we started just looking up the answers it was like oh this is great whoever this person (laughs) was you know was doing god's work at that point because they were putting (laughs) every answer to every disney question on there so yay more small fries for me (laughs) oh my goodness um that's yeah you couldn't you couldn't really do that now really could you like yeah that that's one of the things when you said everybody has the entirety of the world's knowledge in their pocket. Yeah, that's what jumped out to me too. It's like, oh shit, how did people did people cheat in nineteen nine in the nineties? Like, did they bring an encyclopedia in the back of their pants? <laughs> Just casually bring up the entirety of the Encyclopedia Britannica yeah. and go They're like, oh, oh bugger, wrong volume. In root into your <laughs> root into your holder, which has got all blooming twenty six of them. Yeah, and, and so now that's something like. Um, when I started hosting, it was 2010-ish, 2011, around then. And so by that time, most people had access to the internet on their phones. There's a few people that still had like flip phones that maybe didn't. Um, but most of them could like, even if you had like a razor still, you could still type in websites and get information. So that's a thing that I've always dealt with. I've always dealt with the fact that at any point during the game, somebody from a team could get up from their table, go to the bathroom wikipedia search my or like google or check on wikipedia to find out if they're right come back to the table and give me an answer so i've always had the rule where when i'm asking your team a question you can't go to the bathroom 
except well i don't do that anymore because i can't because i ask everybody i can't say it nobody can go to the bathroom for an hour that's just not fair especially in a beer or in a pub where everyone's drinking beer but that's that's a that's a thing that over the years of trivia has become more and more of an issue is the ability for teams to not have to leave their table and get answers Mm. you know like Corey has that story about the person that was like asking the questions to their smartwatch out loud Oh my goodness. Yeah, I I remember that. Um, Just to touch on encyclopedias, by the way, if someone (laughs) was to bring in the entirety of um, Wikipedia as it stands (laughs) into a bar in book form, uh, it would be uh, about 15 stacks, like fully stacked bookshelves, right? Now... I don't know oh, about you. When you say stacks, you don't mean like a stack of books. You mean like, like, like a, a library stack. Library stacks, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, well, that's going to it's gonna raise a few eyebrows if um, if uh, someone, you know, comes in Just with an entire up. library stack. I hope they sit me, at the party are, table so you have you, room. Yeah. Are you using this table? Could I Could I just move those chairs? I just got to put this my, down. Could I put my library down next to you? Please. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bring it in. Beep, beep, probably beep. the <laughs> biggest encyclopedia at the time, Encyclopedia Britannica, or at least over here, um, uh, is about two shelves. It's about two shelves. It would fit in a reasonably sized bag. <laughs> like, even then, that's going to raise a few eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> but all this, all this talk about kind of where things started and where we're going Mm. or I should say where things are now kind of points us where we're going. Yeah. And I know we said we were going to skip like the last year or so, Mm -hmm. but we've seen a lot of advances just due to like the needs of this last year. You know, now we have Triff now, which is a thing that we didn't have a year ago. Yeah. So now we have a digital answer, digital answer sheets from the tables. They don't even have to get up and walk to you anymore. And it can automatically grade it for you they, and keep score. Wonderful. You don't that's, even have to be in the same room anymore. Like yeah. that's the thing. Um, I don't. I don't need to. Well, I mean, I would still do it, but I wouldn't need to hook up to the TVs anymore because the questions will get pushed right to their phones. Any images that I add to the questions, right to their phones. And you know, in fact, I know of brands that have done that as well. Like mm-hmm. they have a celebrity guest who's you know a pub, like one of the chasers from the chase usually um read out the questions they're not even in the room with you this is like a national thing that they do um and then they push it to your device and it's like and uh, i still have issues with the company themselves and the way that they do their questions but like that is that's a fun idea. A fun idea. And, yeah. of course, you're going to pull people in when you say that you've got the Cinnamon or the Beast or um, the Vixen uh, yeah. or the Governess coming in to host it's like a having pub trivia Snoop thing. Dog. It's like having Snoop Dogg on your GPS. You know, like, Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah what? Like, they, they, what? like they have different... They have different celebrities that they do they do their voices on, like, GPS directions. Oh, my God. I you know how it's, like, those. 100 yards ahead, make a left. You know, like, except if it was Snoop Dogg, it'd be like, 100 yards ahead, turn Lizzle. 
Like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not kidding around. Like, that's a, that's a thing yeah. that they did. Uh, I, I know that there's a short list. Of, I think Samuel Jackson had one, and it was just Ozzy Osbourne definitely had one. Or at least, <laughs> oh my God. at least an impersonator of Ozzy Osbourne had one. I, I think. Um, he just gets you lost and then yells Sharon for a half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> But what what I mean to say, getting getting into where we are now and where trivia is going, I think that with the influx of players that at least I've seen over the last 10 years, uh, national trivia showdowns, tons of national companies, uh, like at least one more trivia podcast, I believe it to be a nice trivia podcast that everybody should listen to. Uh, that would be uh, Quiz Quiz Bang Bang. I'm just kidding. It's us. But you know, <laughs> you know, there the the industry itself is growing and I think its fans are getting more and more fervent about that type of thing and they're getting more and more particular about what they like and what they expect in their games. Mm. And I think that that combined with the necessity of the technological advances that we've had to use this last year are going to really change the face of the outgoing game when we're back live in pubs. Like, uh, I think there's at least two or three hosts from the co-op that are live again that are using TrivNow as answer answer collection devices, mm -hmm. which that's got to be, you know, like that's got to be interesting for, for bars where the rule for years has been keep your cell phones the hell off the table. Well, I think... And now it's like... Now you need them. We've got we've got someone in the co-op who's written their own software as well to yeah. do their own trivia, uh, their own pub quiz. Jay from Smarty Pints writes their own blooming software, and it's yeah. just it's. I, I think that's kind of uh, that. I mean, that's where we're at now. Where mm -hmm. can it go from there? Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we've had things like HQ in the past. We've had things like um, much, much like that. I wouldn't be surprised if, in the near future, um, there is um, something that is kind of incredibly similar to that, where a a a branch or a chain of bars have a, a pub quiz night with every bar in that chain. Um, just being like you're all competing for this big cash prize, um, I, I I feel like that's ultimately where it's heading towards. Well, I'm going to tell you what, boy, <laughs> you you just gave me a great idea. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I mean, you know, you you mentioned HQ for example. Now. Yeah. I don't think that technologically bars would necessarily be ready for video streaming a host across, you know, a chain of restaurants so that that host shows up on, you know, the big projector and over the sound system. But boy, what about just, you know, a, a simple sound system thing? Because, I mean, uh, I did work at a place where I was in a DJ booth. And the only reason that people would really see me is either they were in the same room or they were turning in their paper. But, I mean, there would be people playing in a separate uh, section of the bar, you know, uh, across a wall, and they never really saw me. They just heard my voice mm. asking the questions. 
which, you know, that does put up a new challenge for entertaining people, you know, yeah. uh, being able to entertain people that you can't see. So you've got to have that high energy uh, and, and you know, good vocals and things. You And even if you are talking to people, uh, kind of kind of like with Twitch chat, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, you, yeah. you have to <laughs> say what they are saying and then you can give your response. That's a, you know, quirky little joke or whatever. Yeah. But can, can you imagine, like, let's just say they piped in your game to every TGI Fridays in America. Mm. Can you imagine being um actually from 50 different <laughs> States at the same time? That's the thing with oh that kind God. of size of game is that the, the like if there was a chat which i highly doubt there would be like you, you they'd be tweeting at tgi fridays on twitter <laughs> rather than you know going to you directly but like yeah that would definitely be a thing that would totally be a thing um, you couldn't you couldn't do that on hq i mean now of course hq trivia was what three choice multiple choice and, yeah. you know, I imagine that there were, I, of course, I don't know. Were there ever any big upsets with an um actually that happened? There, uh, there was one that I know of 100%. There's oh. definitely been, like, across the HQ-like apps, like, um, there were a couple of, there were a couple of spinoffs that were essentially the same thing. Um, and I know one of them had big trouble with one of their answers the the one that i remember for certain was what is the official plural for octopus oh no yeah mm. and it, it was um i think the choices were octopuses octopi and octopodes or octopodes and right. that's that's the one because octopus is a greek root so if you pluralized it it would be the greek so it's octopodes or octo octopodes um, and I, I, if I remember correctly, they, they, uh, Scott was having a hard time even pronouncing that one because it was so new. It's just not a word that he said. Yeah. And of course mm -hmm. everybody picked octopi, you know, cacti, octopi, everybody said that. Yep. And they're like, actually, no, it's this one. And then they kind of made a meme out of it. Like they, you know, like that was <laughs> there whenever they asked something that was either really savage or, you know, it got brought back up at like their anniversary shows and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that, like, that was one that like everybody in chat was like you are outside of your mind it has always been octopi you know it's just one of those it's just one of those things like everybody just mm -hmm. accepts that because it sounds yeah smart um but all three uh, octopuses octopi and, and octopodes are all acceptable terms used by octopus scientists yeah so well it's God. it's it goes back to the prescriptive and descriptive um uh kind of schools of linguistics one mm -hmm. basically says, this is how words are and they should never change. Um, <laughs> and the other is like, language is flowing. Language changes with time. Just be, as long as you get your meaning across, it's okay. Yeah. Um, and I think prescriptive is the former and descriptive is the latter. But I can't, I can never remember because it's, it's the same. I'm Anytime there's a pair of something, I'm always <laughs> getting like, Objective and subjective, I get those mixed up constantly. Yeah, um, well, you got your point across, so it's okay. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. But, yeah, uh, it, it, I think also um, 
that kind of stuff you can just kind of riff on you can meme on nowadays um especially in the age of twitch and tiktok and the snapchats yep. and the grams and it just kind of becomes part of your part of your game for you know yeah. it becomes part of your interior it's, mythology it's the reason jason not jason jay has like a pineapple and a banana emote, yeah right like yeah exactly um and and i feel like it would be it, it having that mimetic responses definitely is possibly something that we're going to see more and more of in the future i mean yeah. jason has people booing at true and false and the dtq <laughs> um it's 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 part of your brand at that point i remember i was playing jason's game uh, a few weeks ago and he had asked a question about something i didn't like it's probably the cardinals or green bay packers or something like that and i was like boo and then it just started counting it as a boo towards him. I'm like, no, not boo him. Not boo Jason. Boo the Cardinals. And it still said, you booed Jason a thousand times. But I think you're right. I think those interactive moments, I think as, as the live trivia games begin to kind of emulate how Twitch works currently... With teams being able to, uh, like, I know Triv now has chat. I know that that's not a feature that a ton of people use right mm. now. It has that's available. Well, it's it's for when you're doing your own private games, really. Yeah, and, and then with with all the things that we've seen in the last year, with the advances in uh, like how we do Zoom games and stuff like that, I mm. I, I think. I think that that's going to be kind of where we're headed is that our live games are going to begin to mimic this kind of host person, like this host persona type of, of thing. At least I should say, I don't think trivia across the board is going to do this. I think a lot of people like us, the, the, the smaller trivia hosts that really have um, a lot of our success is based on the fact that, that we try our hardest to write good questions, but are also engaging hosts. You yeah. know, like it's it's kind of a twofold mm -hmm. approach. And I think that that's I think that we're going to see a lot more of that. It, it not just in number of people, but I think that the games in real life are going to begin to feel a little bit more like running jokes and mm -hmm. uh, teams answering from their tables. It, it, it's it's interesting, and I and I'm. Really looking forward to see where this next year takes us. I'm hoping to get back into bars very soon, and it'll be interesting to to be using Triv now in a bar. I think, and that'll yeah. be the newest, biggest thing for me in seven years, eight years or so. And that kind of brings us full circle again, um, where you know we've said that it has become more of a show, more of a more of a, an event than just. I go down the pub and there yeah. are questions that happen to be <laughs> thrown at me. There are questions that happen at me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's just the same as karaoke night. You know, if you yeah. go to participate, great. If you go to listen, great. If you're just a passive passenger, fine. But, uh, yeah. you know, See, it's it's a show that's going on. I We didn't have many karaoke. Like, I... I we don't have many karaoke nights over here or had 
Um, like they were a once in a blue moon kind of thing, unless it was very specifically a karaoke bar. So we, we had actually this is interesting that you that you say it's kind of like karaoke because I saw the same thing happen. I partnered with a karaoke company for a long time, mm-hmm. and over the years, from when they started, it was read the read the question or read the lyrics off the screen and sing along, and they have a couple mics up there. Uh, and then it became like rock star karaoke. They had light trees and big speakers and stuff. And they turned it in like when you were in the area where you were singing, it looked like you were performing a concert. Mm. And that kind of became the norm. There was. Uh, Did they have like bar- fake wigs and air guitar? Like, well, no, not guitars. Not that far. But there were some live karaoke where the there would be a live band that knew a bunch of songs and they would perform behind you and you could sing in front of a band. That oh, was another thing that. Yeah, it was really fun to go see. I want, it, I want that. That's yeah. That's that's one thing I want to do. Um, and that's that's what we're talking about here. I mean, it would be really hard to maybe read questions in front of a live band, but it, the idea of um, turning it more into a production as opposed to come here and do this thing, which would be like sing live in front of other people or answer, you know, but, you know, high school history questions. It, imagine doing. A pub quiz with a house band, though, right? The music <laughs> round is going to be amazing. Yeah. Like that's the thing, and and um, people who are familiar with my way of doing things, um, that there's definitely things you could do there, like one song to the tune of another, or things like that. Why isn't that expensive? That's why. That's <laughs> yeah. why this yep, isn't a that's thing. It. That's yeah. the one. Um, Unless you're a one man band. <laughs> unless you 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 know a really good band or you make this your entire gimmick where you're a traveling band that also does pub <laughs> trivia uh i need to write that down on a postcard and send it to myself hold on <laughs> a poor man's copyright. You, <laughs> yeah, you, you heard it here first folks it's the traveling trivia band all right james real quick we have yeah. some work to do in the next three weeks before this airs yeah. So that we, <laughs> before this becomes public, that we are the musical trivia people. Take that, you penguin. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it almost sounds a little like uh, you know the Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon and, and Questlove, you know, yeah, exactly, riffing off each other or something. So, hmm, you know, it it could. I want, work. I want a Paul Schaefer. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna have yeah. one of my friends learn to play keyboard and shave his head and just stand over there with glasses on. <laughs> oh. All I ask is if somebody out there gets that idea from this podcast and they do it, all I ask is you invite me and (laughs) you pay for my travel expenses to come and experience (laughs) this because it will be joyous. It will be amazing. Um, That's all I ask, honestly. (laughs) And that's not asking a lot. Just direct flights from Antarctica to wherever (laughs) you're doing this thing. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, business class will be fine. It's perfectly acceptable. <laughs> yeah, but b- business class is fine. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't need first class. That'll do. Um, uh, so, is is there anywhere else we think trivia is going? You know, I, I think that it's gonna get shaped a little bit by what happened during the various lockdowns around the world. Um, you know, even when we are able to go back live, you know, in yeah. the very near future here, um, it's not necessarily going to go back to 
pen and paper all the time, maybe, or maybe that's exactly what some bars will want to see. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's going to first get back to what it was, and then maybe we'll start to see some fold-ins of innovations that kind of meld the the two things together. Yeah. That's... I, I, I think that it's going to, like it always has been, I think that a lot of it is going to be based on what the players want to see and what they expect now. And so with that in mind, if you, the listener, would like to tell us what you think pub trivia is going to be like in the coming years, why don't you throw us an email at quadriviapod at gmail.com and uh, we'll count that as your poor man's copyright. And then when it <laughs> happens, you could ask people for money. And speaking of our email, by the way, um, it's time for this week's keyword challenge um, where we take uh, one of the many topics, categories, words you have sent us either via email at quadriviapod at gmail.com or filled in our very special form, courtesy of Corey, at quadriviapodcast.com. Uh, we take that keyword and we try and write the best question we can in 10 minutes um, uh, and then uh, come back and present them to the class. And then you you vote on them and tell us which one you like the best. Um, and uh, James, uh, what is this week's keyword? Oh, boy. Um, this, <laughs> this happens, you know, anytime I'm at a show, I, of course, uh, will try to know how to pronounce everything. But this just got thrown at me. So I believe it's Unanoctium. 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 That is spelled U-N-U-N-O-C-T-I-U-M. And that sounds an awful lot like... Oh. Uh, like numbers and science so i think i know where this is going that's <laughs> yeah. about all i want to say i i know where this is going um and who's who suggested it by the way looks like flame from neverland so thank you lost boys for sending in your <laughs> Sorry. You know, the idea Peter. of the lost boys sending us yeah. an octium <laughs> oh my goodness I if 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 that is some sort of meta joke flame um uh, good credit to you, like all credit to you <laughs> um if there is actually somewhere called Neverland that um you're from uh, I'm sorry <laughs> that's uh, yeah there's there's no country or state attached to it just says flame from Neverland here on the card so that's I read what it says and I say what it reads so there you go. Okay, well, we're going to see what we can do with this in the next 10 minutes. And in the meantime, uh, Jason, take it away. And we are back from our break where we have spent 10 minutes, uh, maybe a little longer, writing about Unanoctium, as requested by Flame from Neverland. Um, I will volunteer myself to the chopping block first, if that's okay with you, gentlemen. Go right ahead. Seriously, (laughs) we'll take the step back. Yeah. You and know, I have I have I have bonus content for you guys because I went down a wrong direction hole for most of the time that I was writing the question. Oh my goodness. So here is my question Ooh. with factually accurate information. Uh and then I will provide you with a second story of how I fucked up. <laughs> All right, here's my question. In 2016, four new elements were added to the periodic table. 
the placeholder name Ananoctium became Oganesson, named after physicist Yuri Oganesson. I think that's how you say his name. Probably butchered. With an atomic number of 118, Oganesson is the heaviest known element, and although none of its physical properties have been measured, and it is believed to be extremely reactive, it belongs to what group of non-reactive, odorless, and colorless elements? Oh, yes. I think I know where this is going, because I know uh, about... I, I used to do science questions uh, for an academic competition. I'm sure I've mentioned that a time or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I've got this pegged down. So I, I'll, I'll leave it to Tipster to see if you know it. Oh, I studied chemistry at university. So oh, I've I've got this down to a T. Um, yeah. And and to be honest, even when we were doing the research, you know, it came up and it actually said that it had properties that actually kind of like didn't fit this group yeah. as well, mm-hmm. which was kind of interesting. So I'll just go ahead and reveal that the answer would be noble or inert gases. That is correct. Um, because it, while it has been discovered and understood and locked in as the element, uh, since its production is exceptionally expensive and, uh, they, you know, can only make so much of it at one time. It has mm-hmm. never been observed in physical, in a physical property, so they don't know if it naturally occurs as a gas or as a solid. Um, and yes, you're right. Almost everything about it is the opposite of what all other noble gases are. Uh, noble gases are inert. They're non-reactive. They're odorless, colorless gases. And <laughs> Oganesson is believed to have maybe be, been a gas, but it might also appear as a metal. So don't at me, Jason. I did ask a question about a possibly metallic gas uh, that is highly reactive. And I don't know if it's odorless or colorless, but I thought that was really interesting that it's like when you think of noble gases, I think of, you know, light, airy, colorless Neon, that yeah, kind yeah, of it, stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. You, it's not something that you could physically experience in the world around you. And then here comes heavy fat boy. One here comes here comes Oganeson. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know the heaviest. Oh boy, it's Oganeson. <laughs> <laughs> but and I will tell you this: this this is a question that I wrote in three minutes after spending exactly ten minutes writing a wrong question. Okay. And my original wrong question, I will wait until you two do yours so that I don't accidentally spill some tea on what you guys might be doing. But th- thoughts okay. and thoughts and opinions on this question first. Uh, my first thought is that you, you know, starting with Unanoctium as really, I'm going to say, Flame from Neverland, this is a very tough word to start with. And it, it was a challenge for all of us. And but but starting with that and being able to give, you know, a little bit of a factoid about it, you know, hey, it's actually called Oganesson. It's got an atomic number of 118. But it's also this other fact that is pretty well known if you ever have studied chemistry. Mm-hmm. So you may have started on a very niche factoid but you opened it up into something that is definitely a gettable question by i would say a, a you know a, a fair number of teams out there playing trivia yeah it's it's definitely a pavlov is odorless colorless inert gases yeah that should that should ring mm-hmm. the noble bell 
for sure. So uh, that's a little bit what I did with my question as well. Uh, so if unless Tipster, you have anything else you want to mention about Jeff's question, I'll go next. I, I, I think it works perfectly well, given the restraints that we have. Like it, I I'll, I'll talk more about my thought process when when we get around to me, I think. Sure. OK, um, I'll go ahead and give my question. Uh, Unanoctium, also known as Oganesson, has the atomic number that is the highest of all elements, 118. Only five or six atoms of this element have been synthesized. Now, technetium, which has an atomic number of 43, was the first synthetically produced element in history. Many of the properties of technetium were already predicted before it was discovered. They were hypothesized by what father of the periodic table of elements. Okay. I, uh, okay. I, I am windmill slamming the button. I've got this. Yeah. That, that's, that's another one of those. I think it'll be interesting if you went three for three on kind of scientific element Pavlovian things. I, um, I, I think the thing with this is you can't get away from the periodic table, right? Yeah. Because yeah, you really can't it's so integrally linked to it, you'd have to go down some sort of rabbit hole or hard swerve. Yeah, um, you'd ha you'd have to do you'd have to do like a classic Aaron. Oh like, uh, yeah, I was gonna say I want to see what Evan would do with this. Speaking of elements, what movie starring Bruce Willis and <laughs> Mila Jojovich? <laughs> well, or so, you know, like yeah, I I think that that's kind of my, where you, just because you get pinned down by it. Yeah, my, I mean my my first thought when i when i saw unanoctium i was like that's a bit like unobtainium that's yeah i almost went down that road <laughs> <laughs> it's like no it's too tenuous for me all right but um, enough enough stalling aside yes uh if uh, you talk about uh the person the person that hypothesized many elements uh and is the father of the periodic table of elements you're talking about dimitri mendeleev yes yes uh one of the chemistry teachers i had in high school played the song of mendelev uh you know he put them into columns and in rows mendelev that was like the way the song went is uh super educational super fun to hear that week after week so <laughs> but yeah you've got it dimitri mendelev the father of the periodic table turns out real quick that technetium uh he gave it the provisional name of ecomanganese and uh, technetium was named from the Greek for artificial. So, oh. ah, yeah, there's your factoid to stick in your hat for later. Nice. <laughs> I like I like that little little juicy juicy explanation on the end there as well. Yeah, extra like... tidbits always good. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of a lot of what you said uh, about my question was pre praise. For your own question, we did exactly <laughs> the same thing, and I, yeah. I really like, like, considering the fact that this is, like you said before, this this is a really tough word to force into a question. There's no real way that anybody would be able to get that as the answer. Like, we can't have the get be on an octium, unless mm. you know somebody's familiar with the placeholder names for for elements that oh. you know haven't. Latin, I suppose. Yeah, yeah but I is mean, it Latin or Greek? I'm not sure. Might be I, Greek. I wouldn't be able to answer with any, any you know, thunder on either direction. But 
Um, I would bet it's I would bet it's Latin, right? Maybe Octo is yeah, maybe it's both. Who knows? But either way, um, Greek. Okay. The starting off in one place and narrowing the field of information down from this very specific thing, uh, or rather, not narrowing it down, opening it up to something, uh, tying it to synthetic, other synthetically created elements, and talking about like the history of hypothesizing elements before they were created. Mm. This is a fantastic way to take this question. Uh, it, it, it does exactly the same thing that mine did, where you start with this very specific thing and then open it up to a much more standard pub question or pub trivia question that is kind of draped in bigger sciencey words than maybe you were thinking it might be. But when you boil it down, it is that little that little Pavlov of who is the person that is the father of the periodic table. I love it. I think it's a great question. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, it's it. I I. <laughs> That's I'm like. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> no, no. There's no but. There's no but. There is absolutely no but. It is a brilliant question. Right. Um, and there's actually you've managed to jam a lot of facts in there as well. Um, yeah, it's wordier than a question I might ask at a, a show, but uh, you know. I figured you kind of have to have a little bit more of a lead in for something like this. I mean, such are the constraints of the keyword challenge, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so mine is also wordy. Um, let's let's see what you make of it. Okay. The heaviest synthesized chemical element is unanoxium, which was renamed to honor the leading scientist in its discovery in 2016. This is only one of two times where a chemical element has been named after a living person. Who was the other named after in 1994? You may know them... I just realised I put a spelling mistake there. Uh, You may know them for their work on Americium as chairman of the Atomic Energy Commission in the 60s, or alternatively, you might mistake them for a hive mind in an underwater Star Trek (laughs) spin-off. I I know this outright, but only due to my oh research my God. on this element. And I absolutely love the last non-sciencey clue, like the pop culture clue thrown on in the end. Fucking you know something? <laughs> um, I actually, as you were reading the question out loud, I was going, okay, um, elements named after people. I know there's like, you know, Einsteinium, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's other ones. And then I thought... Uh, there's this one, which I believe the answer is. And I was like, I have no idea if this would be a living person. So I was hoping to to bounce it off of Jeff. But then all of a sudden you make this clever, stupid, amazing (laughs) sci-fi joke at the end. And that made me know for a fact that I've got the right element. That's good. That's good. That's what I was going for. So uh, I, I've got it. Uh, so I'm gonna let you, Jeff go ahead and give it away. Really quickly, I'm gonna I'm gonna check and see if he is still alive. Uh, they're not. Nope, not at all. Uh, okay. They died in uh, 96? 1999. Oh, 99. Yeah. So uh, in my research, it says on the Wikipedia page for. Um, 
Oganessian that uh, it is one of two elements that is named for a person that was living when they named it. Uh, and this one is currently, he's the only person, Yuri Oganessian, is the only person that's alive that has an element named after him. The other that was alive when they named an element after him was Glenn T. Seaborg, the namesake of Seaborgium. Yeah. Yes. Seaborgium is the one that I was thinking of. I didn't know the uh, the first name, so I would have just said Seaborg. Which would have yeah. been perfectly fine. Which is um, yeah, because yeah. you were looking for the name of the person, not the element, right? Yes. Because Seaborg works way better for with that, that pop clue. Underwater Star Trek spin-off <laughs> Hive Mind, which I was like, that was something that just seven minutes in, I was just like, okay, here's how we're doing this. Prepare now I just need to put other filler in that's not surfacing absolute bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, so, I love that. That's great. Yeah, this this goes back to I think the last episode I recorded where we talked about putting in the the little clues where I don't think anybody would have taken that clue and figured out the answer, but someone who might have thought, "Oh, is it this this or this?" that's your confirmation right there. So, mm. uh, I think well-crafted and well done. And I'm just thinking how awesome would it be to have an element named after you? That's just so, you know, this is the thing that I feel makes this question a little bit more difficult is that Seaborgium is one of those elements that you don't instantly think is named after someone. Yeah. Like it's it's a little it's it it would probably be last on my list of gettable named elements after people, I suppose. Yeah. So, it's funny that you mention that because that's where my wrong route took me oh, for 10 okay. minutes so uh just to fill everybody in that did not spend some time researching these newest elements added in 2016 the four new elements uh were 113 115 117 and 118 now known as nihonium named after japan yeah uh, muscovium named after moscow, moscow. tennessee named after tennessee and oganassian named after its inventor so i saw a list of four places and a name so I'm like, oh, wouldn't that be interesting if I maybe talked about the origins of the name, just like Tipster did in his question. Mm. So I go to the list of what elements are named after. And I see in the names, like there's a, a, a sub list that says elements named after people. Right. And one of them is uh, Americium or Americum. Uh, Amer American. I don't, I don't remember how. Yeah, that's uh, I've always said it uh, a Mauricium, but that's it doesn't matter how you pronounce it. But it's no. named after uh, the Americas, or yeah. so I thought, because according to this list, it's named after Explorer Amerigo Vespucci. Yeah, which of course is the namesake of the Americas. And so here I am on this list saying, here's an ele or here's an element that sounds like it's named after a place, but is actually named after a person. And I have a list of four elements that are named after a place and one after, or three after a place and one after a person. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I could talk about how this element was named after. It sounds like it's named after a place, but is in matter of fact named after a person. You could, you could even have done that as like, if in this hypothetical world, you could even have done that as a multiple choice question, right? Yeah. But what's really interesting about it is that, yes, technically, 
americium is named after amerigo vespucci but through layers of separation when they named that element they named it after the continent because the one previous was uh, europium yeah so they named it after the americas and the americas are named after amerigo vespucci so therefore by by you know by the laws of geometry it's named after Americo Vespucci, but it's not directly named after him. And so my question was based on the fact that it sounds like it's named after a place, but is in fact named after a person. That's a really, it's not incorrect, but it made the wording of everything that I had prepared really incorrect because of how I put it. Uh, so I had to, at the last, at literally when it was time to come back, I had, I said, guys, everything I'm working with is incorrect. I'll be back in just a couple minutes oh, with a yeah. brand new question <laughs> because I, I basically was talking about the original names, the placeholder names, the new names, and then how this was named after a person like it's named after an explorer, which is he's the only explorer whose name is on the periodic table list, but it's not, but it is. But so it would be one of those like kind of douchey questions where it's the way that I'm giving it to you is not the way that it's actually that its name came about, and I, I didn't want to even mess with mess with that. So, so that that's why my break was a little longer than everybody that else's. Is also, that's perfectly fair, because that is, that is quite the heffalump trap, I feel. like. Yeah, that's one of those, you know, I, I think that maybe if I said what explorer was the namesake of a place that was also the namesake of an element. Maybe I could have fixed it with that. I just didn't want to mess with it at that point. Yeah, so. and the, the thing is, that sounds quite clunky, though, as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it, I got to a place where when I finally looked at the element page as opposed to the list of naming conventions, it was like, oh, it's named after the Americas. I'm like, fuck, <laughs> this is not good. I need, to, <laughs> I need to reword this. So I appreciate you guys giving me a couple extra minutes to not read nonsense. <laughs> and and present a question that is a, a little bit better but uh if you are so inclined and you would like to let us know which of these three questions you liked not including my rambling nonsense about amerigo vespucci uh you can go to uh and vote on this week's keyword challenge let us know which one you liked the best and i think that ties us all up for the keyword challenge, which means it is time for tonight's game. James, what have you got for us tonight? Well, here's what I've got. Uh, I've been doing trivia shows for a little bit over a decade. And since we are trying to see how trivia has changed, uh, I'm going to at least show how my trivia questions have changed over the years. And I think that any good host would look back at their own work and say, boy, I, I kind of started off a little bit rough. And <laughs> I think you're going to see that. Um, I, I, I'm still learning, you know, I mean, doing this for any of us for as long as we have, we're always uh, trying to improve ourselves. And I guess that's what the keyword challenge is about as well, yeah. making sure that you can, you know, craft a good question, you know, even on the fly. So let's see what I've got. So I'm going to be going back to 2011 and mm -hmm. moving up one year for each question. So 10 questions in all work together and see what you can come up with. So here's the 2011 question. What do a bean, a horse, 
and a car have in common? Okay. Ooh, I know this one because I've asked something exceptionally similar. Oh, really? Yeah, a, a, in a roundabout way, it was part of a theme round for one of my finals. Okay. The, um, when I was writing, when I was writing the round, the round's theme was different types of beans. And when I got to this question, I was going to ask about the type of horse or the type of car. Oh, okay. Um, right. So, bean, horse, and car. So it's a specific type we're looking for then. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's a Harico horse. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's a na. I mean, there is a navy horse, but I don't think you have a navy. Co- I mean, it's color, but um, what else? What other kind of better? runner? Uh, you can call a horse a runner, I suppose. Um, not so much a car. Um, let me let me see if I can't massage you in the correct okay vicinity. I'm I'm gonna try to get you there without getting you there. Okay. So, um, this specific type of bean right. is generally not served in its pod, so it's not wax and it's not green. Right. Uh, you said northern. You said navy. Uh, what other kind of like singular beans would you find? Like if you're go if you're gonna go buy a can of beans, you'd have your like your baked beans. Yeah. And then what else might you find? Kidney. Well, that's another that's another type of bean. That was another one of my questions. So, is what what is a nephrologist study? Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean. But it's a, it's a type of it's a type of bean. Yeah, it is a type of horse. Yeah, and specifically, it's a type of car well known for having uh, issues with not exploding. Well, <laughs> that was an interesting <laughs> way of phrasing that. Yeah, hold on. So let's get let's get you out of your misery. Uh, I believe this answer is Pinto. Yeah, that is correct. Pinto bean. A uh, horse can be called a pinto, and there is a pinto car, which you have to be very, very careful if you're ever in an accident, apparently. So, yes, that is correct. What, uh, what I find interesting about that is when I wrote that question, oh. my question was specifically about the pinto car. Uh, and even though it got a really bad rap for exploding because of the positioning of the gas tank, uh, it was no more likely to explode in accidents than any other car, any other model cars released at that time. There were just a couple, like, I think they had to do a recall, and that made it, like, kind of a national talking point for for that year that, uh-oh, don't drive a Pinto, it'll explode. Hence the joke in the movie Speed, where she's like, oh, yeah, I could drive a bus, it's just like driving a really big Pinto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's amazing, and I need to remember that. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, the only thing I don't like about it is it, it almost sounds like... You know what do they have in common? I don't yeah. know. They all got legs, or you know. But it's really just a tri bond that's been asked in a weird way. I think. I was the Pinto sold in the UK at any point? I don't know. I that, don't. That think... might have been. That might have been why you got caught up on it. Possibly. 
Okay. Well, um, good enough on that one. You want to go to 2012? Uh, sure. Yeah. Let's move okay. into the future. The fans of what musical act are called Little Monsters? Oh, my goodness. I know this. As do I, because I believe that I asked a question very similar as well. Which I, is, this is kind of fun for me to go back in time and be like, okay, over the 10 years that I've hosted, was I asking questions about this at the same time? Is, is <laughs> would you say that they're, they're known by something different from their birth name? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, would you say, would, <laughs> would you say I, that they are, uh, they have a royal sounding name? Almost? Yeah, I was, I was going to say, uh, I, w- I wasn't going to bury the lead nearly as much. I was going to say, they're Gaga for this musical act. Oh, my God. Just in a really bad pun. I was going to make a Queen reference, but sure. Yeah, it's it, Lady Gaga. Yeah, it is Lady Gaga. And I think uh, the uh, monsters refer to the inner fears that she had of, like, uh, alcohol and drugs and such. It, so Yeah, it's a reference to um, her album, The Fame Monster, which I think was her debut album as well. Um, uh, or at least one of her debut albums. If if I remember correctly, it it stuck because she like tweeted that like she loves her little monsters at her shows or something like that, and then they they're like, oh yeah, that's an awesome name. If I remember correctly, <laughs> that's that how was... most that's how most names stick though. To be fair, yeah. All right, so you can see that my questions were very just, you know, hey, here's a, a question, and that's about it. And here comes another one from 2013. Blog is a portmanteau of what two words? Oh, my goodness. I know what the the second one is. Yeah, I do. You know what's really interesting? I was like, I think I know this, but I don't. I, I only know that a vlog is a video blog, and that doesn't get me that's to what a, the portmanteau yeah, no, of that's blog is. Do, do, well, it's... So the second one is is log right yeah um and it's a portmanteau so it's got to be like something that's smushed together with log that has a a, a, bean log a biographical but not necessarily they're not necessarily biographical though yeah i'm trying to think of it's more kind of you know i i want to kind of just slip in here because see going back and looking at this it's really not a portmanteau i would either call it a shortening or a truncation but i wouldn't call it a portmanteau because your initial word does not begin with b oh okay uh i mean uh it's technically so then it's got to end with look, b, right? looking up the meaning of portmanteau by the way it is technically correct the best kind of correct but at the same time it's not how it's commonly used i suppose okay like when you say portmanteau you think the first part of one word and the last part of another and you put them together whereas this is the whole of one word and the last of another i suppose um is it just web yes oh that's oh okay yeah i was gonna say as soon as you said that (laughs) yeah i was like that makes sense yeah, I was, it is I was a web log. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. I was trying to think it. <laughs> now I kind of want to start a bean log. 
<laughs> Jeff's bean well, you bomb. can start with uh, with Pinto. So, uh... <laughs> all right. The questions are starting to get better as we go into 2014. The Wallflowers covered the song Heroes for the soundtrack to the 1998 film Godzilla. Who performed the original? How are you on this one, Jeff? I know this one outright uh, as well. I mean, I'll be king and you'll be queen? <laughs> Only if there's life on Mars. Of course, of course. Uh, <laughs> oh, ground to get ground control to uh, James. We think this is uh, David Bowie. Yes, you think correctly. It is David Bowie. Mm-hmm. I think when I wrote this question, um, I didn't know that. I actually didn't know that David Bowie uh, was the original uh, performer of this. And when I found it out, see, that's whenever I do that now, whenever I find out a factoid, I'm like, wow, that's great. I'm going to ask that as a question to mm-hmm. see how many people knew that before I did. And because I had only heard the Wallflowers version of it by, by that point. So uh, I'm glad that I was exposed to the uh, Bowie version of it. Yeah. Before it's... we move on to the next question, uh, mm-hmm. if we're talking about David Bowie covers, Go on. I have to give a shout out to the Life Aquatic soundtrack oh. uh, from the Wes Anderson movie that has the acoustic sung in Portuguese David Bowie covers because they <laughs> okay. are they are it sounds crazy, but that... they are so good. It's the, the idea is in the movie, there's one of the crewmates on the boat plays acoustic guitar and he sings David Bowie songs in his native tongue of Portuguese. That and sounds s- such a Wes Anderson thing to do. Oh my gosh. They are they are <laughs> they are gorgeous to listen to. They're so great. So if you haven't ever heard that or seen that movie, go watch that movie. Sorry. Cool. Didn't mean to yeah, sidetrack no, us. That's, okay. Oh no, that's a see no see that's exactly what now I can take that and make it into a question. So that's oh, just go. what I need. Yeah. All right. <laughs> let's go to uh 2015. Know the enemy and know yourself. That is a lesson from what treatise, tactics from which were later used by Mao. I have an idea on this. I'm not 100%. Um, but, Jeff? Uh... I am... So, this is going to sound stupid. Go on. But I am a very, very big fan of the show Breaking Bad. And okay. There's, there's a scene in Breaking Bad where Hank goes to work with a drug task force, a drug, the drug task force in El Paso. He's <laughs> working uh, with uh, trying to stop like uh, cartel guys, and the people that he's working with, uh, most of them are speak Spanish, and one of them has uh, like the patron saint of drug dealers on his desk, uh, and Hank like makes fun of him, and then the guy turns around and says, "Know your enemy and know yourself." Uh, and then he quotes that it is by Sun Tzu, and I'm pretty sure that that's the art of war. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And so yeah. am I. That is correct. You got the author yeah. as well. So well done. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of my knowledge is based on TV shows and movies that I've seen. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's the best way to learn. <laughs> that was for for me. It is that meme of where they're both sitting in the diner. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and Jeff is explaining something, and I'm going, "Where is this going? What are you on about?" <laughs> cool. All right, uh, 2016 question here. Bo and Sonny are the presidential pets of the Obama family, bred for their hypoallergenic properties. What specific breed of dog are they? 
Oh, oh. dang it. Hypoallergenic oh. dogs. Okay, so is it is it a hairless dog? No, um, it's not a hairless dog. It's because our dog, our dog is also hypoallergenic. So we were looking through lists of hypoallergenic dogs. Okay. I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. I want to say that it was like Pyrenees, because it was named after some place. But I can't. Okay. I don't remember if Pyrenees are hypoallergenic. Just that's the one that jumps to mind because of the the mountain range. But I'm I, I'm almost positive it starts with a P, and it's going to make me crazy if it's not that because it's I, either that or it's something else that is escaping my mind at the time. But I remember I remember this news story that he got presidential dogs for the or maybe maybe that they were like just introducing the new presidential dogs or he got them for the for his daughters. Mm-hmm. Man. I guess I guess if I knew if Pyrenees were hyperallergenic or not, I would know for sure if I was at least on the right. I've path. got nothing better though. That's the thing. Like, if there's not a dog that doesn't like, doesn't have fur and therefore can't shed it, I got nothing. Aren't, aren't Pyrenees big white fluffy dogs? I feel like I feel like they're like herding dogs. I, considering I am allergic to like. Well, these are hypoallergenic. You should know about these ones. No, no, because I avoid dogs at every turn. For specifically that reason. I don't go, I don't go, oh, I'm just going to check if I'm allergic to this dog. Like, oh, oh, I'm not allergic to this one. What breed is it, you know? Um, yeah, I, I don't have anything else off the top of my head. I, okay. I think that's right. I, Pyrenees then. I'm like a hundred percent that it's named after a place at least, but that's like at least seven or eight or twenty dog breeds, so Well, know. you're correct that it is named after a place, and it is mm-hmm. actually named after a place sort of close to the Pyrenees Mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh it is named after Portugal. Do you know what it oh, is? Oh, it's a Portuguese water dog. Yeah, it's a Portuguese oh, water dog, man. Damn it. I'm damn. still <laughs> I'm none the wiser. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, okay. That, that's upsetting. But apparently, I, it means a lot to Jeff. So <laughs> no, I, it's it's one of those things where like I I can envision that news story. I remember seeing the picture of the girls and the dogs, mm. and I can't see what the dog looks like, but I remember there being a P, and I was like, oh, I wonder if that's named after the place. It, obviously, it must have been because it was Portuguese. Uh, never mind. Ah, that's sorry. That's me <laughs> complaining because I knew oh, something. Right. I couldn't get it out of the punch bowl. That's what trivia is all about. <laughs> Everything you can't quite remember. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> hey, we're all the way up to 2017. Here we go. A sort of bird horse. What proud creature must one bow to before approaching, such as Buckbeak from the Prisoner of Azkaban? Oh. I, I know this one. Like 100%. This is a... Um, this is... Well, the... This is a. I don't know how to clue this without saying it. It's a. It's a hippogriff. Yeah. <laughs> correct. Yes, hippogriff is the correct answer. That mythical creature, a uh, sort of half horse, half wings. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, bird. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's know, a horse it's with a bird mythical. head and wings. Excellent. All right. Well, let's see if we can uh, zip on with a 2018 just as quick. Nolan Bushnell. 
created some of the first arcade games, including Computer Space and Pong. What company did he found and then sell to Warner Communications in 1976 for a tidy sum of $28 million? I, I, I am 100% on this. I think I, I'm, I am too... I'm on target on this one. His his name recently came up in something else I was looking at too. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what it was. It's going to make me crazy. Well, uh... I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm locked in on the answer to this question. Okay. I mean he's Xbox, but I'm I'm more Atari. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd, I hate to say that what you may have read had to do with Nolan Bushnell and the kind of environment he may be created at his companies not being so savory. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is unfortunate because he was the father of Atari. He was the father of Chuck E. Cheese. That's He's it. done. Yeah. Um, just wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold the phone. Hold mm-hmm. the phone. The person who... Atari and Chucky, e. Ch- yeah, the Nolan person Bushnell. who made, who basically made the Atari, also made Nightmare Fuel. Okay, fantastic, <laughs> good to know. Yeah. So I have a, and this is my round will have aired. I should say, fingers crossed, my round will have aired as long as my internet stops going out. Um, but I have an upcoming theme round on pizzas, and oh, that's no. that's where it was. I was researching like Showbiz and Chuck E. Cheese those type of places and then I saw that oh my god the guy that invented Atari also invented Chuck E. Cheese that's that's where my brain was going mm-hmm. sorry <laughs> hey no quite alright um, we're going on to 2019 uh, question is there are different accounts of how this hunter perished either by the sting of a scorpion or by being shot by Artemis's arrow regardless who is this Greek that is now immortalized as a constellation so when I think hunters and I think constellations, there is literally one thing that springs to mind, Jeff. Yes, me, me as well. And then from that one thing, I think of uh, a movie with Michael Keaton and a movie with Will Smith. And what? Yeah, the not, uh, not together, right? <laughs> not together. No, oh, okay. The, uni- the universe is on his belt from Men in Black. And oh, yes. Yeah, okay, stars... I get you now. Yeah. I get you now. Okay. That's good to know. I was like, "Hold on a second. What?" Um, this is Orion. Yes, sir. Uh Orion is the correct answer. All right. Uh we're going into the final question here, the year 2020. Uh final is this a horse that has a coat color that consists of large patches of white and any other color is known by what Spanish word? Oh, Ooh, I know this one. What's the Spanish for paint? <laughs> Easy one way round. It's not the other. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Do you know this one, I Jeff? Can't... Yeah, I know, and I'm trying to figure out if Tipster is being coy or if he really can't remember ten questions ago. <laughs> oh, is it bloody Pinto? Yeah, it means painted. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, honestly, it was absolute total coincidence 
that as I was looking through all my old questions that a 2011 question mentions a Pinto horse and then a 2020 question mentions a Pinto horse. So I am just (laughs) (laughs) flabbergasted that it it worked out that way. So I'm glad that I was able to end on the beginning, so to speak. So there you go. That's uh, an evolution of trivia by God. It's Pinto all the way down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like turtles, except yeah. with pintos. <laughs> you know, you know how Corey wrote around where the entirety of the uh, the answers to the round were helium. Yeah, you, you need to do that, that with Pinto now. Apparently, <laughs> that is your uh, next I, challenge. All right, that thing ten like questions where... on Pinto. Yeah. It's where you're doing like your scantron, like you're filling out the multiple choice tests in high school, and it's like the fourth answer in a row that's C, and you're like, that can't possibly be right. It can't be four <laughs> C's in a row, and all the answers to a round are Pinto. <laughs> Pintos. Uh, it's... Pintos everywhere, as far as the eye can see. It would be a challenge, but a challenge that I could accept, so we'll see if something can come of that soon. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> Oh, well, if you do manage that challenge, uh, James, whereabouts can we find you? Well, you can find me, James Key, the trivia nerd, here in Louisville, Kentucky. (laughs) I have a couple of weekly shows. Uh, One of them is at Hideout Pizzeria, and the other one is at Pizza Place. Yes, that's the name of it, Pizza Place. Uh, That's what it says on the tin. Yeah, it's either super lazy or super genius or both. But it's like, hey, you want to go to the pizza place? Yeah. And you'll find me doing trivia there on Wednesdays, uh, my very own independent show. And uh, you can find me, Tipster, at the Pinnacle Larder, play.pinnaclelarder.com um, or pinnaclelarder.com, sorry. Um, at the moment, I'm on indefinite hiatus until later notice. There's a lot of other stuff going on outside of the free walls of the larder. So, um, Uh, Just keep your eyes peeled. There'll be a game sooner or later. Um, You can also find me on Facebook, facebook facebook.pinnaclelarder.com. That's probably where you're going to find out first whether or not, uh, when I'm coming back. And I've been Jeff with RMT Trivia in Chicago. Uh, I stream on Twitch on Wednesday evenings as long as my Comcast internet doesn't go out again. I've had three outages this week alone. Oh my goodness. It's not been fun. Um, but uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash rmttrivia and hopefully back in live person someplace in a bar maybe sometime soon. We shall see. Don't really know. But uh, if you want to talk to all of us, you could email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. Uh, you could find us on Twitter at quadriviapod and on Facebook also at quadriviapod. And just to mess things up, uh, if you could find us at quadriviapodcast.com. That's a bonus interaction with my puppy in the background. <laughs> uh, and also, if you feel like helping support us as a podcast, you can become one of our patrons on patreon.com slash quadrivia. Uh, and I believe the lowest tier uh, is $3, uh, uh, which gets you access to uh, extra episodes, all sorts of other stuff. Uh, I feel like I should just retake all of this without the dog barking <laughs> no 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 we're, we're doing this live we're doing this live yeah, yeah uh, three dollars or two pounds fifty or your regional equivalent equivalent um the bonus episodes uh i think our first bonus episode has gone live uh where myself and james uh witter on about game shows for 
a good good few hours actually right yeah oh man that was fun <laughs> that was that we're probably going to do that again sometime i feel um uh other stuff including amas um uh and um, personalized greetings personalized greetings i filmed one of those the other day merch we have merch now what? i and also requesting a drunk dive topic for an episode oh my god uh That's which be dangerous won't be me it will be one of the other hosts on the podcast pretty much doing a drunk history on uh, a topic of your choosing I did that on accident on Jason's channel once. That was, a, that was an interesting evening. I ran out of beer and started drinking bottles of wine. I don't think it, like, it partially on accident. Let's be yeah, part. Fair. Yeah, it was self-inflicted the was accident. accident. The beginning of it was normal, and then it became an accident. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find us, and um, we still don't have an outro. Yeah. Maybe we should maybe we should send that one off to our Patreon supporters as well. Oh yeah, maybe they get to they get to do their version of our outro oh, of a, a quadrivia outro. Just something that'd be fun. That's a really good idea, Tipster. That's that's great. That still doesn't fix the fact that we don't have uh, a way to end the show, and we're just gonna kind of keep talking until something presents itself as a natural ending point. Yeah, I know. When when possibly could one of those occur? Hey, for you Patreon supporters that are able to hear the entire cut with no editing. Wait, what? We're doing no. that? <laughs> wouldn't that be something? Oh my, no. No, it wouldn't. Because, like, there is definitely stuff that we say that is, like, no, hard cut, cutting room floor, regardless. Uh, wouldn't that be terrible?